Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Let's pray. Let's just uh, ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Father, we thank you today that you woke us up from sleep, uh, and we thank you, Lord, uh, for the body of Christ that we can gather together as a family to seek you. We also thank you, Lord, for your word uh, that can encourage us and stimulate our faith and inspire us. So, Holy Spirit, we just believe you wrote this story many years ago, and we just pray Make it a real living reality uh, to myself as I present it and to each of us as we'd hear it. And we just pray as we go through this time together, you would highlight to each of us, uh, just make it really clear uh, the points we're supposed to get from this story for us personally. So we, we come with an expectant, open heart, Lord, and we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's read. This is a big chapter. And I know you've, I'm sure, read it somewhere in your journey. Uh, but let's ask the Lord to, to make it fresh and alive this morning. Okay, 1 Samuel 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Sukkah, which belongs to Judah, in the camp between Sukkah and Achaean and Epis Damon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered, and they camped in the valley of Elah, and they drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with the valley between them. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, and he had a bronze helmet on his head. And he was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And the head of the spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. A shield carrier also walked before him. And he stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle ray? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of an Ephraimite of Bethlehem in Judah, whose name was Jesse. He had eight sons, and Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advanced in years among men. And the three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, 
the firstborn, and the second, Abdabdab, and the third, Shammah. And David was the youngest. Now the three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. The Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days, and he took his stand. But Jesse said to David, his son, take now for your brothers an ephod of the roasted grain and these 10 loaves and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also these 10 cuts of cheese to the commander of the thousands and look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. For Saul and they and all the men of Israel are in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David arose early in the morning and he left the flock with a keeper and he took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. Then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper. He ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. As he's talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines. And he spoke these same words, and David heard them. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's coming up? Surely he's coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in accord with this word, saying, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left these few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you've come down in order to see the battle. <clears throat> but David said, What have I done now? Was it not just a question? Then he turned away from him to another and said the same thing. And the people answered the same thing as before. When the words which David spoke were heard, they were told to Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Fear but a youth while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb from the flock. I went on after him and I attacked him and rescued him from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and may the Lord be with you. And Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with armor. 
And David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I can't go with these, for I have not <clears throat> tested them. And David took them off, and he took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five spoon stones from the brook. He put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, even in his pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Then the Philistine came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth ruddy with a handsome appearance. And the Philistine said to him, am I a dog that you should come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day, the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I'll strike you down and remove your head from you. I'll give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he'll give you into our hands. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag, took from it a stone, and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran, took over the Philistine and took his sword, drew it out of his sheath and killed him, cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah arose, and they shouted, and they pursued the Philistines as far as the valley and to the gates of Akron. And the slain Philistines lay along the way to Shazam, even to Gath and Ekron. And the sons of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camps. And David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his weapons in his tent. Now, when Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this young man? And Abner said, by your life, O king, I do not know. And the king said, you inquire whose son the youth is. So when David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him, brought him <clears throat> before Saul with the Philistine's head in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehem Light. Woo, that is one long chapter. <clears throat> so, okay, what's the theme? Uh, I think that to me, the theme is pretty obvious. Uh, God is bigger than, greater than any problem you might be facing this morning. So, let me ask you a question. What is the biggest problem right now in your life? Okay, I'm not going to spend five minutes to let you think it out, but, but 
think about it for just a moment. What is the biggest problem? What's the Goliath in your life today, right now? Another way to put that is if you were there for Pastor Brendan's sermon, uh, you could put it this way. What's your greatest anxiety at this point? What does it center around? God is bigger than that problem. And let me say it again. And we're going to hear it as we look at the story. God is bigger than that problem. So I think most of us have heard this story. Uh, I remember in Sunday school, my word, this is one of the biggies. You know, they give you the handout papers. And you can see the picture of this big giant and David and his little sling. Uh, So this takes me right back to my Sunday school days. So um, so let's take a look. 17.1. So it starts with a war, okay? And now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Sukkah, which belongs to Judah. And they camped between Sukkah and Asham and Ephraim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered, and they camped in the valley of Elah. And they drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. So get the poor. Here we are. <clears throat> the Philistines are coming to attack Israel. So there's two mountains. Philistines are one mountain. Israelites other mountain. You've got this valley in between. And it looks like a war definitely is brewing. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, stepping out of the Philistines comes this big dude issuing a threat to Israel. Look at verse four. Then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Okay, what is that in our understanding? It's nine feet, nine inches, almost 10 feet. Now, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody that big. I'm six foot, uh, and that would be four foot in top of me. This is a big, overpowering hunk of a person coming down to threaten the Israelites. Okay, nine feet, nine inches. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. Okay, that's a... His, just his armor was 125 pounds. That's a lot of armor on this guy, 125 pounds. Go a little bit further. Uh, okay. He also had, verse uh, 6, uh, bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. From what we can gather, that weighed about that shaft about 17 pounds. And the head of the spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. Uh, that's probably another 16 pounds. So this, this beam that he's carrying uh, is about 33 pounds. So it's one big deal. Uh, and that beam, Goliath is going to put in whoever is going to come against him. So verse 8, and he stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel. And I come out of this guy, but that must have had a big booming 
threatening voice. So I want you to get a picture here, not just here, but picture this big guy coming at Israel, just intimidating. And, and this guy is shouting, I'm sure, at the top of his lungs. And he said this in eight, why do you come out to draw up in battle rain? Am I not a Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves. Let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants. So basically, uh, what he's doing is saying, that we're, we don't need to have this big battle. Let's just get a representative from both armies. We'll fight it out. And whoever wins, well, then that, that person represents the entire movie, army. And then if that Israelite wins, then all the Philistines lose and vice versa. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> and he comes out in 10. Again, the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And what we know, he does this 40 days, coming out every day. And he is intimidating Israel. I mean, they are scared literally spitless at this guy. So that's the story on the, on the battlefront. Now, switch the scene. We're on the home front of a man by the name of Jesse. Uh, Jesse's concerned about his three boys because three of his boys literally uh, are part of this army that's fighting the Philistines. And Jesse wants to find out how his boys are doing. So he's, he takes the youngest son, David, and says, hey, David, you go out. I want you to go to the battle line. I want you to check up on my boys. Make sure your brothers are okay and, and bring them something to eat. Uh, he, he's just nervous, and he wants to know about what's going on with his boys. So verse 21, uh, David shows up. Okay, he's now away from home. He's at the battle scene. 21, it says, in Israel, and the Philistines drew up in battle array against army against army. Uh, and then basically, uh, he hears what's going on. Verse 23, as he's talking with them, behold, the champion, here's Goliath doing this thing all over again. The Philistine named Goliath was coming up from among the army of the Philistines, and he spoke these same words. Okay, he's been threatening. 40 days. 40 days. Come on, guys. Israel, give me some of the fight. Well, the Israelites <clears throat> are having a big issue. When all the men of Israel, 24, saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. So the whole army is, is chickened out. I mean, they're shaking in their boots. 25, and the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's coming up? Surely he's coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And then <clears throat> David basically hears what's going on. And he asks a question to these guys. He says, uh, 26, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? And, and I like the spunk of David here. Uh, he says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? And I can hear David he did a spunky thing, and he said, you know, we don't worship idols. We don't worship stones or a piece of wood. We, as Israelites, worship the living God. And you got to know, David has an extremely intimate walk with the Lord. 
And I believe it's out of the intimacy that he gets this boldness and this authority. Uh, and that's not just, by the way, for David. If you want to speak with authority and boldness, get to know your Lord, because the more you know him, the more confidence you can have and the more boldness. So David basically does that. <clears throat> Who are these people? <clears throat> so, um, so the people notice that David has a different spirit than everybody else. Verse 31. So when the words which David spoke were heard, they told them to Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And then Saul said to David, yes, you're not able to go against this Philistine with him. You're but a youth. Well, he has been a warrior from his youth. So basically, Saul's almost chuckling and said, you've got to be kidding me. You're just, a, you're just a kid. There's no way you can handle this big dude. But David shoots back confidently. He says, verse 34, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him, attacked him, rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. So what he says, number one, hey, Saul, I killed a lion. He goes on further. Uh, 36, your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. It's again repeating the living God. David didn't have just a mental understanding of God. He didn't just have theology. He just didn't have doctrine. He had a vital, dynamic, intimate, close walk with God. And he was so close that he picked up literally the boldness that was in his God. He was not intimidated by Goliath because God was bigger in his eyes than the problem. So, um, 37. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. Okay, verse 40. Now we're at the battle. <clears throat> and he took his stick with his hand, chose for himself five spoon stones for the brook, put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had even in his pouch. He approaches, okay, so he's gathering this thing. He's, he's running up right here to Goliath. And then the Philistine came and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. And the Philistine looks at him, and it says he disdained him. He's having a lie. He says, you got to be kidding me. Israel, that's the best you could do is send this little, little, little kid. you got to be kidding me. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. So I can see Goliath is mocking him, cursing him, whatever. Uh, so verse 44, the Philistine said, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Now, you know, that could be intimidating. I could see, you know, that's frightening to see this big guy coming at you. You know, humanly, it would be scary. And uh, humanly, I think you'd want to take off. But look at David. 45. And David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name. And the name represents the power. 
I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down and remove your head. And he goes on further. He said, I'm doing this at the end of 46, that all the earth may know there's a God in Israel. He says, I want to prove to you, Goliath, and, and Philistines, I want to prove to you that God we serve is not just some kind of an idol. He is a living, powerful, almighty God. 47, he says, not only I want that to be known in Israel, but that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he'll give you into our hands. And it happened when the Philistine rose and came and near to him. David ran quickly toward the battle line. He put his hand in his back, took from it a stone, put it in a sling, and he whips it, and the stone comes flying and hits Goliath smack in the middle of the head. 40. Uh, no, 50. And then David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. He struck the Philistine, killed him, uh, but there was no sword in David's hand. So he takes Goliath's sword, basically cuts off his head, and there's the story. <clears throat> so, okay, that's the background. So what are we going to get from this? Uh, there's four key points, and I think I can run through them quickly, but they're powerful. Number one is this. There are always going to be problems in this life. There's going to be Goliaths in every one of our lives to the day we die. Why is that the case? We live in a fallen, broken world because we're in a fallen world. There will be problems. Uh, I think that's not the way we'd like it. Many times we think that life should be easy. You know, we shouldn't have flat tires. Um, we shouldn't have angry people. We shouldn't have health problems. Life should be smooth. But in reality, the Bible is very clear. Even Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. So if you're waiting to think that this was going to be problem-free, it won't be. Not till you get to heaven will the problems be done. So we need to be realists. There Second point, big, big, important point. God is bigger than our problems. Let me say it again. God is bigger than the biggest problem you thought about when we started the soap. Okay, what is that problem again? I don't know what it is for you. But whatever that problem is, and everybody has something here on the screen, some problem that can almost seem overwhelming and that you've tried to deal with it and battle it and win the, win the victory over it, but it's just stubborn and it doesn't seem to bend. But God's bigger than that problem. It's bigger. It doesn't make sense that a young little shepherd boy could beat a nine-foot, nine-inch giant. It makes no logical sense. In his own strength, David couldn't pull that off. But the God he served could. Let me say it again. David in himself, in his own humanity, could not have beaten Goliath. But the God he served was bigger than Goliath. And David knew it. And David knew it because David had a close, intimate walk with God. So that God was not just some kind of a uh, imagination thing floating out there. He was a living reality to David. 
Our problems may look big. They may be insurmountable, but I believe biblically God will give us the strength either to endure them or overcome them. Okay. So number one, there are going to be problems. Just buy into it. But realize whatever problem you're facing right now or any problem you're going to walk to into the future, God is bigger than that problem. Friends, we worship the living God. David said it a couple of times, the living God. He, we worship the God who made the heavens and who made the earth. We, op- we, we worship a God who opens up Red Seas. And the good news is the God in the Bible, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament hasn't changed. He's still the same. And I think the Bible shouts at us what he did for David. He's willing to do for us if we put our trust in him. Okay. One, there's going to be problems in life. Number two, God's bigger than any problem. Number three, our focus is extremely important. Let me say it again. Extremely important. Where do you put your focus? The Israelite armies, what were they looking at? They kept looking at Goliath. They kept looking at Goliath. This is a big guy. They kept looking at Goliath. They kept hearing Goliath. And the more they looked at Goliath, the bigger and bigger and the bigger and the bigger and the bigger he became. It is so easy. It's almost a natural human thing that we can get fixated on the problem. It just we, we just come back to the problem and we keep thinking about the problem. In a sense, it's meditation going backwards. It's like going to a horror film and pressing the replay button and looking at it over and over. And, you know, we've heard stories, maybe we have, you know, somebody tells you you're going to have to have a major surgery. And what do you think about till the day of the surgery? The surgery, the surgery. Oh, how am I going to get through the surgery? Am I going to live? Am I going to die? And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So the, the big deal is where is my focus? Where is your focus? Are we fixated on the problem? Or are we fixated on the God who's bigger than the problem? By the grace of God, and I say by the grace of God, we can't pull this out just with our own willpower. But by the grace of God, we need to train ourselves to look at our big God, not at the problem. And think about this. The the longer you look at the big God, The longer you think about him, the longer you meditate upon the God of the Bible, the smaller your problem begins to be. So easy for us to take a molehill and make it a mountain. But from God's point of view, it's small. Think about it. When you go into an airplane, we could be, you know, riding and looking at the Rocky Mountains and say, whoa, those things are gigantic. But go in an airplane and get high enough and look at down the mountain. The mountain is just a little, it's a little blip. So perspective is so, so important. Where is your focus? Let me give you a little sideline here. I love this story. Uh, in Second Chronicles, this is Second Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, is facing a gigantic problem. Listen to this, 2 Chronicles 22. 
Then some men came to, and they reported Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram. Behold, they are in Angedi. So he's told, A gigantic multitude is going to come and bulldoze Judah. Look at what Jehoshaphat did. And Jehoshaphat was afraid. Yeah, that's a human reaction. Okay. He was afraid, and he turned his attention to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. What did he do? He turned his attention to seek the Lord, not the problem. And then he begins to pray to the Lord. Look at verse 6. O Lord, the God of our fathers, art thou not the God in the heavens? Art thou not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in thy hands so that no one can stand against thee. And he rehearses how big his God is. And then <clears throat> I love what it says here. As you go a little bit further, he ends that prayer with these words. Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? In other words, the enemy. For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. And here it's interesting. We do not know what to do. But listen to these words but our eyes are on you. Amazing. He's saying, God, it's overwhelming. We don't know what to do, but I'm not looking at the problem, God. I'm going to look at you. Our eyes are on you, and God actually speaks through a prophet, and victory is given. <clears throat> so problems are going to arise. One, number two, God's bigger and greater than the problem. Number three, are we going to focus on the problem or a God? And last is this. Our faith grows stronger as we recall what God has done in the past. Our faith grows stronger as we recall what God has done in the past. Remember uh, 1 Samuel 17, uh, 34? <laughs> David speaks to Saul. Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him, attacked him, rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And he basically says, if God did that, he can handle Goliath. <laughs> so what great things has God done for you? And um, we said it again and again and again. It's important to have a journal. It's important when God does something in your life, write it down, write it down, write it down. Because if you don't write it down, we can begin to forget and it begins to fade away. But if you have this journal and you said, you know, look back on that day, God did this on that day. God did that. And you can list all these things over not only weeks, months, years. You can go back in the hard times and this big, big problems looking at you. And you can look back and say, but. But it's big, but Lord, you did that, you did that, you did this, you did this, you answered that prayer, you overcame that problem. And as you begin to fixate on what God did in the past, like David, you begin to get a faith. Well, if God did this, then he can handle what I'm facing right now. So important. So problems are going to happen, folks, in your life. They're going to happen in mine. God's bigger than your biggest problem. 
But where are you going to choose to focus? And, and check it out. Look at your life. Where, where is your focus most of the time? It's so easy to focus on problems, on negative things, what that person did. Or, gee, it's so easy to focus on my financial issue. Or it could be a health issue. Or it could be a relationship issue. Or it could be a family thing and a marriage thing or a parent-child thing. Check it. Where is your focus? What do we think about? Do we think about the problems or do we think about the problem solver? Do we think about God? Do we build a relationship with him? Do we get intimate with him? Because the more we get intimate as a consequence, coming in the back door, authority and boldness comes. I don't think it comes by just looking in the mirror and giving yourself a pep talk where you need to be bold. You need to, no, 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 no. Get to know God. Get to know him personally. And I believe as that happens, God imparts a supernatural faith, a supernatural boldness in you that will allow you to see the problem shrink and God gets the glory. And that's the bottom line. That's what David wanted to say. He said, I want the whole world to know how big my God is. So let's talk to the big God, our big God. Lord, I don't know what the problems are in the folks here on the screen. Lord, you know each one on the screen personally. You form them in the womb. Uh, and Lord, you are aware of whatever situations are going on in their life. You know the details, Lord. We don't have to go over that. You know these things. But I just prayed, Lord, for my brothers and sisters that you would bring them into an extremely deep, intimate, close walk where, Lord, you begin to be so real and so powerful that the problems begin to shrink. And Lord, as I, I see the story and ask myself the question, how did this young guy have such confidence and boldness? And I believe it's because David knew you personally, intimately. So Lord, I just pray uh, that you'd bring us into this intimate, close walk. And as we do, Lord, that uh, the problems in our life would begin to shrink uh, and that not only would they shrink, but you would begin to get bigger and bigger in our eyes. Uh, and Lord, that we could see you win the victory over the issues and the problems and the anxieties and the fears. Uh, and that we could proclaim uh, what you've done in our lives. And we could boast about you, Lord, uh, and let uh, those around us know that you are a living God and you still work in people's lives. So Lord, work this out in each life on the screen. And we're praying, Lord, you're going to get the glory and the honor uh, as we look to you and as we trust you. And Father, we ask it in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go forward, folks, and go get the victory in his name. Amen.